back, everyone, to Marketing Meets Web3. This is the first episode in a special series about Web3 and loyalty marketing. Alberto, tell us about what we're going to get into here. Hello, Nick. As you said, this is a four-part series, first one we do in the, in the channel, with a Web3 thought leaders and builders that dives into the realms of Web3 and loyalty marketing. In this four-part talk series, we will break down emerging Web3 trends, the implications for businesses, and how this technology stands to revolutionize customer engagement. In this first conversation, we want to cover some basics that uh, we think will lay the foundation for the guest conversations that will come later in this series. So first, a word about how this is going to work. I am going to be moderating the conversations. Nick, of course, will be here chatting to our guests. And um, that's it. So what is, uh, what is the reason why we're doing this uh, series? And Nick, who can make the best out of it? Yeah, so this series of conversations that we've put together, um, what we really have in mind here is a series of conversations that can help marketers and business owners understand the opportunities in Web3. There's um, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of jargon out there. It can be a confusing technology to landscape, uh, technology landscape to navigate. And we're hoping to bring some color to the topic so that we can help business owners, entrepreneurs understand the opportunities here. Um, on top of that, we're also going to take a deep dive into the relationship between Web3 technology and loyalty marketing. So how can marketers and businesses actually use this technology to create better customer relationships, create more meaningful interactions, and drive uh, increased customer loyalty and retention? Why do you think this is important now? Because we've been talking about uh, loyalty, Web3, and the developments that are happening in this industry for a while. And uh, we took, we made the decision of doing this series at that moment in time. And uh, we thought it was relevant at this, at this specific time. So why, why is it the time now? Yeah, you know, I think we're at a unique inflection point with this technology. Um, there have been, over the past uh, year or so, there have been some really interesting um, sort of uh, examples or experiments of early adoption from some really big brands. So brands like Starbucks, Nike, and Reddit are all playing in their space. They're all doing things to try to activate new audiences, to try to engage and create more meaningful and deeper relationships. And we think this is a great time for businesses to start paying attention and to start learning about this technology because obviously the big players in the industry are also taking it seriously. Big companies, but also small companies like um, Pudgy Penguins, which started very small and is becoming uh, a lot, a lot bigger. And um, we will be talking about these examples and these companies in the in the in the series. I I talked about the penguins because uh, well the name is funny. And uh, in one of our conversations, we're gonna go deep into how they made it from a very small project to a almost a company I think that uh, is is overtaking a, a lot of um, a lot of the competition in this industry. So all that will be coming up in the. Um, in the next conversations. But before we get into that, I think it's important to cover some of the basic terminology that comes up. It's not really essential, but uh, it's going to help sometimes because some of these uh, terms you, you may have heard. I mean, of course, Nick, you have, but I mean, for the audience, you may have heard this and uh, maybe you understand what they, what they are, but maybe you're not too sure. And um, these come up in the conversations. They're not, again, they're not 
really relevant to understand anything. So if you don't understand them, it's fine. It's not like we're going to be covering this in detail. But uh, it, I think it's important to just say a few words about each of these because um, I think it they help with the flow of the of the conversation and it will it will probably help understanding everything better. So uh, can we talk about a bit of all of, of these um, uh, terms that come up in the conversations, Nick? Yeah, let's let's drive through some basics. So you know, as you said. I think it's helpful for people to have a baseline understanding of the concepts in Web3. It helps uh, understand uh, the conversations in more detail and I think gets around some of the complexity. Um, again, we're not uh, hope expecting or really hoping that people become experts on the technology side of this. This is about business impact. This is about the opportunities uh, for creating better relationships with customers, but some fundamentals are helpful. So one of the first things that were, you know, fundamental concepts is this idea of a blockchain. So what is a blockchain? A blockchain is simply a new type of data layer on the internet. Um, you can think of it a little bit like a database. The difference here is that it's an open and public data layer. So it's a, it's a ledger. It's a place where, uh, people can openly read and write to. And what's special about a blockchain is that it uses cryptography underneath the hood to basically make sure that the information stored in a blockchain is, number one, it's immutable. That is, it can't be changed after it's written. But it all, it's also very hard to counterfeit. It's almost impossible to fake transactions with modern blockchain technology. And so what that does for business is it creates this new open data layer that businesses and consumers can now read and write from. Um, so a little bit like a shared database. The next concept that we'll talk a bit about in this series is the concept of tokenization. And I think the easiest way to think about tokenization is to think about real world assets first. So if you have uh, dollars and you want to put those into a bank so that you can spend that through a checking account, you're going to have to go to the bank or you're going to have to you know, use your online services to basically move money into the account. And the bank now is going to basically attest and say that, yes, you have those funds, you've deposited those funds, and now you're good for that money. And so you can go to Amazon or you can go use those dollars online. You can uh, you know, pay a credit card, whatever you're going to do with that money. But the bank is kind of in the middle providing uh, validation that you have those funds. Um, and so you have essentially turned your dollars that you deposited into a bank account into this way to move money uh, digitally. Tokenization is kind of the same concept, but we're using a blockchain instead. And so what we're doing with tokenization is we're creating an asset. And this could be anything. It could be a, a picture. It could be the title to a real world asset. Lots of different things that we might want to tokenize. And now we are connecting them to a blockchain. And so what that's doing is making sure that that asset can now be accounted for in an open way on this public ledger. And so if if I'm going to send something to you, Alberto, that is now a tokenized asset and we can move that back and forth on a blockchain and we can account for that value transfer in a new novel way. Um, what this also enables when we start valuing tran transferring value is this idea of um, kind of programmatic movement of value. And that's possible with Web3 because of something called a smart contract. Now, a smart contract is basically code that lives on a blockchain and responds to certain conditions. And so what's cool about this, we can think about this a little bit like uh, if this, then that for the transfer of value. And so if there is smart code out there on a blockchain as a smart contract 
and I send an asset to that smart contract, it can be programmed to do certain things. So maybe I'm going to send a, a tokened, tokenized value to a smart contract, and the smart contract is now going to divide that in a few different ways and send that to a creator and send a royalty somewhere and send uh, another piece to somebody involved in the creation of that asset. So lots of different ways to basically use this code as a smart router, as a way to program uh, various outcomes into a blockchain and do that automatically. And what's cool about that is we don't have to rely on a trusted entity in the middle. So I don't have to trust that the bank is going to do the right thing. I don't have to trust that an organization isn't going to mess that up. It's on the blockchain. It's code. Um, it's just going to run. And when that happens, we have these tokenized assets on a blockchain. We have these smart contracts that can move this, these uh, value around. We can now do interesting things as peer-to-peer interactions. So you and I now, Alberto, we can send value back and forth. And we don't have this issue of having to trust each other because we can simply use a smart contract in the middle that says, if Nick sends value to Alberto, then Alberto sends another asset to Nick. And so this is all encoded into a smart contract. It, it facilitates this peer-to-peer -peer, um, value transfer. And when we connect all of the dots between these things, that's really what we're talking about with Web3. And so Web3, it's an umbrella, it's a catch-all for these terms like blockchain, tokenization, smart contracts, and peer-to-peer -peer value transfer. Yeah, I love how you connected all of them at the end because uh, you're talking about, well, blockchain, tokenization, smart contracts, and then when you put everything together, um, you create a picture of Web3, which I think already helps a lot because, um, well, it's one concept that also comes up a lot and uh, it's not really um, really well-defined, in my opinion. And so with that picture of what Web3 is, now we can talk a bit about what's going to come uh, later. And uh, what comes later is, uh, as I said, it's a series. And in, in the next conversations, we're going to be talking about three different aspects in which loyalty is um, changed, is improved, is enhanced, is uh, working with uh, Web3 uh, or, or the other way around. Three, three aspects in which Web3 can somehow complement loyalty uh, in the way we understand loyalty today. So can we talk about those three aspects um, just to give a, a bit of a you know a heads up as to what's coming? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the conversations that, we're, uh, that, that we have in this series, they're really... Uh, we gave a lot of thought to the aspects of Web3 that we wanted to draw out in these conversations. And so we're really targeting three key ideas here. Um, the first is this idea that blockchains and tokenized assets and allowing customers to own those tokenized assets actually gives businesses a new way to um, obtain customer insights. And so using blockchain technology, we can now start to Think about our customers differently. There's new data available that gives us uh, new and more meaningful ways to be, be able to basically segment our customers and think about creating relationships with them. And so the first conversation we're going to have is with Drew Beachler. He's from Holder, which is a Web3 CRM um, looking for uh, ways to connect Web3 data to Web2 uh, marketing tools. Um, so that's a great conversation. We dig into what this data can do for a business and how marketers can use this again to drive new insights. Uh, the second area where we see a lot of overlap between Web3 and loyalty is this idea of user ownership. 
So in traditional loyalty programs, what we have is a situation where a business is basically saying, hey, you've, you've spent some money with us and we're going to give you some points, right? It's very transactional. And so these earn and burn type of programs, they might create, uh, you, you know, a customer that comes back over and over again. However, in certain situations, a customer maybe doesn't have a need for those points, right? There's only maybe so many times that you can shop with a business within a certain period of time. And so you often feel that you have this value that you've accrued. It's your value as a customer, but you can't use it. It's kind of locked into this siloed world. Or sometimes the rules of a program changed. Um, recently, Dunkin' Donuts made a change to their points uh, relationship between you know what you earn and what you can spend and upset a bunch of customers. And so the idea that customers own their loyalty is really something that's starting to come to the surface. And blockchains are great for empowering ownership for users. And so what's cool about this is with a loyalty program that is enhanced by Web3, we can start to think about what does it look like when a customer actually owns their loyalty? What does it look like when a customer can raise their hand and say, you know, I think I'm going to trade the loyalty that I've learned, earned the value for being a loyal customer. I'm going to trade that with another person in the network. And there are a lot of ways to arrange these relationships, right? It doesn't have to be entirely open. It doesn't have to be entirely closed. We can think about this as a new playground for collaboration. And that really brings us to, oh, and by the way, that user ownership conversation, we're going to speak with Toby Rush. He's from the company Deem, and they're actually building better uh, experiences and better ways for people to own their assets. And so Web3, as we'll talk about in this series, uh, has some user experience challenges, and Deem is, is uh, making that a lot easier for companies to create better onboarding experiences. That leads us to the final area where we see a lot of overlap between loyalty and Web3, and that's going back to this idea of collaboration. So one business collaborating with another business, or a brand collaborating with a creator, or a brand empowering their customers. There's all kinds of different ways to collaborate when we have assets that are owned by users. So their customer loyalty is, is owned by them. And now we create these relationships with other companies and using Web3 technology and smart contracts. This is actually a lot easier uh, in a Web3 world than it is with Web2. Uh, Web2 often requires really deep technical integrations. You know, Starbucks and Delta have this partnership that they've been working on for years, literally years. It's taken them to stand that up. And that's, you know, there's, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that's not technology. And obviously that still needs to happen in, in a lot of cases. But on the technology side, when everybody is sort of looking at this data layer called a blockchain, um, it makes it much easier for companies to be able to collaborate and it makes it much easier to reference the same customer data um, in ways that you know are safe for the customer, are valuable to the business. Uh, so there's a lot more opportunity when it comes to collaboration. And so that'll be the third conversation in this series. We're gonna speak with Thomas Pan. He is a Web3 thought leader, a prolific writer, puts out a lot of great insights um, about Web3 and, and how this is empowering businesses for the next generation customer. Thanks. Those will be the conversations. And uh, as you said, I think the important part to understanding here is the, the, the overlapping that uh, we've been talking about because, well, loyalty has been around for ages and um, Web3 comes now. And it, it, I think um, that it doesn't take uh, loyalty away or it doesn't uh, change what loyalty has been offering so far. It just does this in a different way, probably, hopefully, 
we will see during the conversation in a better way. And um, we can talk a bit about what, what are these benefits that uh, Web3 can bring in those parts of loyalty with which it overlaps. You know, Web3 in and of itself does not replace loyalty initiatives, right? There are plenty of Web2 loyalty initiatives that work just fine. Even the points programs, they're great for many instances. Web3 is an enabling technology. So it doesn't really replace things. It makes things better. You know, when email came along, it didn't replace the need to communicate. It just made communication a lot easier, more convenient. We could work uh, at a much uh, a, a much quicker pace that matched the needs of business um, and kind of modern society. And so Web3, we think, is doing the same thing for loyalty. And so we're going to dig into some of these points throughout these conversations. Um, but we wanted to highlight a few here for listeners so you can get a preview of what's ahead. Um, we just talked a little bit about the technology integration when we're talking about collaborations between companies or even within a single company, the larger a company gets, the harder it is to actually roll out technology initiatives. So a loyalty program for a coffee shop with one location is gonna look a lot different than a loyalty program for Starbucks, which may be working across many different regions and many different countries um, and has a, a lot of considerations in terms of technology integration. Web3 can be this enabling technology layer that actually makes it easier for other businesses to collaborate by plugging into that shared data layer or by making it easier for a single large business to roll out an initiative that plugs into this data layer underneath. And so Web3 enables lower technology lift in a lot of these cases. It also makes these programs a lot more scalable. Um, so today's programs, you know, for very large brands, they're handling millions of customers working just fine. However, when you start combining brands, you know, if Amazon starts to collaborate with retail location or retail businesses like uh, big box stores, you know, what does it what does it look like for database systems when you start combining millions of customers with millions of customers? That's a kind of demand that can quickly get out of control. And so what's nice about Web3 is, again, going back to that shared data layer, the blockchain, it gives us a way to cut out some of the redundancy. It gives us this kind of shared layer that we can uh, move data across um, in, a, in a customer centric way. Um, so these programs become scalable in a much more fluid and ad hoc way. And so these collaborations can happen more in the moment. Uh, we don't have to worry so much about systems that are going to completely blow up um, if we start combining different different uh, partners. So scalability is a huge benefit. Peer-to-peer um, -peer commerce, we talked about that a little bit. And Web3 really enables peer-to-peer -peer commerce in much more meaningful and interesting ways. Um, so when a user, when you and I can start sending our loyalty value back and forth, either openly or as part of a, a collaboration between companies, that becomes a lot more interesting. That becomes more interesting for businesses because they're now creating this sort of virtuous cycle of customers that are moving between the same brands, right? And so we get this natural brand affinity happening between customers that are using their accrued value across different businesses. We also start to get this interesting dynamic when users want to trade their value or sell their value or give away their value. You know, if I gift my accrued value, my loyalty to my mom and my mom's not a customer of that brand, that's a new way for a business to acquire a customer. If I use that value to trade with you for something that I want from another brand in the, in the collaboration circle, 
that is actually a positive reinforcement for me as a customer because I earned the value from brand A, I spent it with brand B, but I'm still thinking about brand A, right? So it creates these reinforcing behaviors with customers when they can start to be recognized within these different loyalty partnerships and, and collaborations. So we think that there's a lot of opportunity here to enhance loyalty with Web3. We're going to dive into all of that, uh, you know, ideas about creating exclusive experiences, more experiential rewards, thinking about loyalty more as a membership instead of just a transactional relationship with a, with a customer. There's some really exciting stuff ahead. What makes it very approachable is um, the, the examples that um, the guests use, because I think it make, make it very easy to, to understand and to, to follow uh, to follow and, and get yeah, to follow up on, on what, what these companies are doing because you talked a bit, a bit about these benefits and i think uh, when when they explain them in the context of a company that is already working and is making money and all that i think i think it makes a lot more sense um so well we are wrapping this up uh we have three conversations after this one this one as i said at the beginning it's just um, a basic intro to what is coming and uh, maybe we want to just say a few words about what's coming next and um, we are, you already talked a bit about the, the the guests but maybe you can say a few words about what can uh, uh, the listeners expect from the next three conversations next conversation is with drew beachler again he's from holder they're a web3 crm so they're enabling and rethinking how to give marketers new insights from web3 data so this transfer value that we're talking about creates a lot of uh, a lot of data Right when when we have assets moving back and forth on a blockchain, that creates indicators for different types of insights that we might want to draw about who a customer is, what their behavior looks like, things like customer value, customer engagement, um, customer activity can give us a sense of who's most active. So using Web three data, connecting that to existing Web two data, and creating new insights for customers. And Drew's going to dive deep with us on that. Next up, we'll talk with Toby Rush again. He's from Deem. And they are on a mission to create these really seamless onboarding experiences that are very in tune with the mobile first mentality that leverage technologies like SMS to make sure that people just have a very smooth, very natural, uninhibited experience when they're trying to interact with Web3 uh, programs. And so he'll take us deep into what they're doing and, and talk about some of the benefits of these easy onboarding experiences that land or end in a customer owning their own assets. And then we'll wrap up the series uh, with a conversation again with Thomas Pan. He's a thought leader in the Web3 space, and he's going to share a bunch of insights about collaboration and co-marketing, what this means for marketers and businesses, and how this really kind of blows the doors open for um, hyper-collaboration between companies in the future that is much more fluid, that is much more responsive, and that is much more customer-centric than I think a lot of the collaborations that we have seen to date. Okay, so... This is it. This is uh, the plan for what's coming. And uh, well, as I said at the beginning, I think this is a very important conversation. I mean, not because we are doing this and I don't think we're being like super prescient about this or we are uh, seeing the future before anybody else. What we're doing is we're looking at what's happening and we're just trying to put everything together for for listeners who may be interested in um, in growing their loyalty efforts, improving their membership reward programs or basically help uh, create a better or a community from scratch, uh, so we think that um, this is this is very important to be discussed at this at this moment. And I think those who who understand and who know this now will be in a better position in the future. Uh, Nick, anything else uh, you want to say before we stop? 
No, let's dive in. Really excited about these conversations. Well, I'll be seeing you in the following conversations and I will be seeing also the audience uh, in the next episode. Thanks, Alberto.